Welcome back, Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Pleased to be joined for the first time by Odyssey baseball insider Brett Boone. Very excited to have Brett join us. Bulldog, I didn't tell you. You might have done the same thing. I reached out to our old boss, Andy, who Brett runs our fellow sports station in Cleveland, and I said, we've got Brett Boone coming up on a monthly basis. He's like, you're going to love him. So, Brett, no pressure, but Cleveland, they love you there, apparently. That's that's good for us to know. <laughs> Very cool. How are you guys doing? Good. It's Brett wonderful. Boone, host of the Brett Boone podcast and Odyssey Original, sorry, Bulldog, featuring the most notable names in, the, in MLB and all-around sports every week. So, Brett, how did you get into this? Like, was it something you wanted to do that you knew you wanted to do when you were playing or what? Oh, absolutely not. You know, I thought (laughs) I was done playing. I was riding off into the sunset and going to go on the golf course for the next 60 years. But that got old pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) I I decided, you know, I'm raising my kids and and they're getting older now. And around the the pandemic time, I kind of decided I wanted to get into the media side and, uh, you know, it's just my whole life's been baseball and I was starting to miss it. And I, I felt I got a lot to give. So I, I went out and I went and did some segments for MLB and kind of the, the country shut down. And my, uh, my agent suggested, he said, I want you to do a podcast. And I said, you're crazy. I'm not doing a podcast. And, uh, it started there and I started, you know, at first I just started, I called a couple of my buddies and it, you know, I interviewed Griffey first, and then Andre Reed. We were working out one day, and I said, "You got to jump. You got to be my guinea pig." So that was about <laughs> two and a half, three years ago, and and it just kind of snowballed from there. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and and it's been a learning process. And believe me, I have an appreciation now for your side of the mic. All those years <laughs> I was playing, and just you know sitting in my rocking chair giving you these cush interviews. All of a sudden, I'm on the other side now, where I schedule and. And uh, I've got to bring it to them. So I'm enjoying it. Like I said, it's been a learning process and uh, came on board with Odyssey here recently. I think it's a great partnership, and I'm looking forward to uh, what the future brings. We'll see where it goes. You sort of alluded to it, the appreciation for the other end of this interaction from when you were a player. Uh, Brett, did you did you find yourself like as a player thinking I'll I'd never want to do one of those jobs? I can't. I, just oh, sort no, of... you know what? <laughs> you're in a different world when you're playing. You know, you don't think mm-hmm. you'd want to do a lot of things that you end up doing because <laughs> right. you're you're in the moment and it's a grind and you know you go year year in and year out playing 162 games and if somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, what do you think about when you're when you're done playing?" I'm not thinking about that. You know, some guys do have the fortitude to, to think ahead. You know, my brother's the example. I mean, he was at the end of his career. He started kind of networking and decided that he wants to go right into something in baseball. He ended up getting on with ESPN, doing Monday Night Baseball, and then obviously went in and, and became manager of the Yankees. So some guys do have that 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 foresight to, to kind of look ahead. Uh, and some of us just kind of want to go golfing for a while and figure life out. Mm-hmm. But uh it's an interesting journey either way, but, but uh, you know, I'm glad I'm here now, and I'm actually enjoying myself. Brett, Andre Reed, by the way? Andre Reed, we've been buddies for a long time. We lived uh, in the offseason uh, when I was playing. I had a home in Florida. We lived in the same community, and that's where our relationship started. But okay. now we both live in Del Mar, California, and we both work out at the same gym. So I was starting this podcast, and I said, Dre, you need to come on. You're, you're going to be my guinea pig. I think he was my first one. And we kind of went through the motions and, and try to figure it out. And uh, what, what's gotten me is, is the preparation that you have to do. And I, I schedule all my guests. So 
you know, setting that, okay, I got two next week. And, and what happens if somebody has something come up and they've got to cancel? Well, wait a minute. You can't cancel because I have you in that slot. I can't <laughs> miss a show. And then you'll call somebody else and they'll say, I'd love to do it, but can I do it next week? No, I don't need you next week. I need you right now. So uh, yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about, having an appreciation for this. Because when you're playing and you're getting tons of requests on a daily basis, you try, and I always did as a player. I, I always respected the press, and I felt I, I needed to answer the bell, rain or shine, good game, bad game, win, loss. Mm-hmm. I always – kind of made it a priority that hey you guys got a job to do and and some nights you don't want to be there asking me stupid questions so i can at least give you that that you know that grace of hey i'm here let's do it um so yeah it's but 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 i didn't take into consideration when i would agree to do an interview and at the last minute hey you know i'd tell the tell our our team guy in seattle heavily uh, I can't do that at 7 o'clock. Tell them we'll book it out. And, and you know, they smile and say, hey, no problem. But, really, I know what they're thinking <laughs> now. Like, oh, we had a, we had a schedule for that slot. And you can't, we got to get somebody else now. So, yeah, definitely, definitely it's been a, a learning process. We, we've had many good conversations with Andre over the years. Bulldog and I have co-hosted this show for about 20 years. Um, and, by the way, so the pandemic timing for you, ironically, I mean, to say the least, that was, like, for all that, w- that was terrible – in 2020, one good thing, I guess I I would say, is that the major leagues came to Buffalo in the form of the Blue Jays, who... Oh, that's right. It was interesting. Yes, who not only were like, it's the show, of course, so it's almost like, we'll take anybody, but just like right. the perfect young team, and Buffalo's kind of a Yankee town first, so the Yankees and the Red Sox are in, and it went into 2021, Vladdy Jr. and Bichette, and just like... I mean, Brett, it was it was the dream. I was out there all the time. I mean, with the Bisons, it's a couple times a year for me, but with the Blue Jays, I couldn't get enough. Yeah, that was an interesting dynamic, too, to that. I mean, the whole thing was crazy. For me, I, not seeing, uh, you know, people in the stands, that was surreal. Yeah. I'm thinking, as a player, how would that be? But, but the stations found a way to pipe in, like, fake mm-hmm. background noise, and they actually made it pretty watchable. But as a player, it had to be – had to be weird. You know, I, I liken it to coming out for early batting practice when no one's in the stands and you're hitting balls into the seats and you actually hear it hit the seats where during the game, you're going to hear cheers and it's going to, you know, it's going to hit ricochet off a fan. It's usually not going to hit a seat, but I think, you know, I talked to some of the players about it and they said it was really weird at first, but after, after a while you got used to it, you guys had, had uh, the blue Jays and Buffalo. And that was an interesting thing for me because my early parks are, they're much different than major league parks for the most part, with the exception of, of a Wrigley field or that type. Mm-hmm. Usually wind doesn't play a factor because the decks are stacked so high. So everything's kind of, you know, certain parks play a certain way and you can, you can uh, count on that from an offensive and defensive perspective. But when it comes to minor league fields, it's a wild card. You know, I played in the minor leagues for a few years and I played at a bunch of different venues and some that wind could be blowing straight out. Or, or straight in. So it was a different element not being one of the 30 major league ballparks. It was interesting to see how Buffalo was going to play. Yeah, wind right in off the lake, too. Beside, to add to your point in terms of the where the Bison Stadium is uh, located, with Odyssey insider Brett Boone, Mike Shope and the Bulldog here on WGR. Brett, you've probably had just countless conversations already, it's May, about the changes to baseball this year. Right. You know, the shift being banned and the pitch clock. 
So please forgive me for asking you just for your impression on that. It's our first conversation with you. How do you think it's going? Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm kind of a, a purist at heart. And when I, I, you know, I don't like change. I really don't. But that being said, you know, I heard the news this offseason. And my first thought is, wait a minute, we, we pride ourselves on being the only major sports not to have a clock. All of a sudden we have a clock. And I, and I had an open mind about it. Let's just wait and see how it goes. Uh, getting feedback from the managers, the players early on, they said, hey, we really liked it. You know, my, my, my brain goes here. It's like, wait a minute, what if, a, what if a bug flies in my eye? I can't call time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought of all the crazy things that could happen. If my pitcher's out in the mountain, he can't get on the same page with the catcher. He can't call time, and we don't want to end a game on a ball four. There's a pitch clock violation. I don't think anybody wants that. But as, you know, spring training was kind of a training ground for it, I still think there's going to be tweaks that need to be added to it as time goes on. But for overall, now that I've seen it in its entirety now, and we're, through, we're a month through the season, I think, it's, I, I think it's definitely been a positive. You know, on this side of the mic, once again, referring to that, if I've got if I've got a show to do and I've got to watch a couple ball games and, and I'm out of the house and I DVR, man, it's it's a lot quicker to get through those games. You know, sometimes you come home a half hour after the game start. Most of the time, they'll be in the bottom of the first. Now you're in the fourth, and so that game's yep. moving along. And I think I think what you're going to see as a direct result of having the pitch clock. I think it incentivizes a lot of things. I think, and, and with the shift, the shift being banned. I think for the past few years when the shift's been really prevalent in the game of baseball, it's really uh, – it hasn't really been an advantage to hit the ball on the ground, if you know what I'm yep. saying. Now you're, you're rewarded. Where a hit's always been a hit for hundreds of years, now all of a sudden a hit's a hit's again. So that incentivizes putting it in play and, and not hitting a ball in the air. I think that's positive for the game. Uh, the clock is moving it along, and I think it organically – a direct result of, hey, as a hitter, I got to be in that box. I got to engage with the pitcher in the eight seconds. I think organically, you're just a little more ready. And I think as a result of that, you're going to see more balls put in play. I think the two throwovers from the pitcher, he can, he can disengage twice. At first, I thought, well, that's going to be so easy for these elite base stealers to steal bases. And I still think it is, but it incentivizes, it incentivizes clubs to start running again. And I think you're bringing some old time baseball where you're going to see some hit and runs. You're going to get, see guys stealing bases again. I think that's a positivity for the game as a whole. So all in all, so far, the changes, I really like them. Now, the, the, the base being made bigger, that's a little goofy for me. I have no idea why that matters at all. But, you know, you had to, you had to throw something silly in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I like this point about hits, uh, balls on the ground, you know, being encouraged again. Just action in general, Brett. Like, I, I've loved baseball yeah. my whole life, and I, I, I've said to Mike many times in, in talking about this subject that I think over time a, a, a fielder being, you know, in short right field, you know, like where this, you know, a deep second baseman, like out in the outfield, and a left-handed hitter hitting a rope right to that guy and it being an out, had a very negative impact on my just aesthetically watching baseball. It just felt like that should be a hit, and I felt like it was wrong the whole time. And I know that might be a, a silly point, but I, I think it made me a distance grow between. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Me and, and loving the game as much as I used to. And, you know, I, I think, too, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded. You know, I had a grandfather that played this game, and, and he was that grandpa. After the game, he'd come and meet me, and, you know, he'd be, ah, back when I played, Ted Williams would have never done that. And I'd laugh. <laughs> That's what grandpas do. But I told myself I'd never be that. I'd always have an open mind. I'd be open to change. The game's changing. Let's be honest. It's like I loved the the the, uh, the 15 years I was in the big leagues. Of course, I loved how we played the game. That's how we did it. But I also it's 2023, and I think you know this is this the kids' game right now. So whatever they decide the rules are and however they play the game, that's how they're going to do it. History is going to judge each and every one of our generations. Um, your point about the shift, it, I think what comes with this generation is a new way of training. You know, it's a lot of analytics, a lot of data, a lot of swing paths and swing angles. I don't think that's necessarily a positive to the game. Because I think with these angles, that you're almost training like a golfer now, like on a simulator, a robotic swing, which I think in return creates a more predictable outcome. That's why I think the shifts were were – you know, really detoured and, and the averages went down because hitters became predictable because their swings become more robotic with all this data and technology. Whereas 30 years ago, you throw a shift on a Tony Gwynn, he's going to laugh at you <laughs> putting a shift on him because he's not predictable. But I think today's I still think the great players are great players and they're going to hit the ball line to line. But I think the average guy is pretty predictable when it comes to the way these kids as young guys come up and how they train to be hitters. Just a quick follow-up, Brett. When in your playing days, what conversation might there ever have been? I mean, of course, I mean you won four Gold Gloves. Positioning would have been huge, vital. But in terms of like a, a team concept or batter to batter, like we didn't see the shift in the nineties. Uh, it, it wasn't like unprecedented. Like you talk about Williams and that uh, when it became prevalent in recent years, but. Was how, what to what extent were there conversations with the Mariners or the Reds, like just positioning and how far we wanted to push it or take it? To be honest with you, there was none. I mean, we'd have the, the our our pre series meeting where we all be in there, and we'd have our defensive meeting, we'd have an offensive meeting, pitchers would have their meeting, and it was basically you know depending on the ball club and depending uh, what the personnel was. I was on some teams that were younger and some were veteran-oriented. Usually the veteran teams, you, you get to play against these guys year after year after year. So, so I kind of knew uh, the tendencies, the tendencies of my pitchers, and that's how I would defense. I know if I've got Greg Maddox on the hill and he calls for a fastball away, when he misses, he's going to miss by inches. He's not going to miss by feet. So I can pretty much set up my defense for that. It was a lot of me relying on my pitch for the pitcher that day, how, how sharp was he that day? So things become predictable. What are the tendencies that this hitter has uh, in this situation? So it became kind of second nature. And once you do it enough, that, that experience, it's in your mind. I see these kids today with the cards in their back pocket, and I, and I pull my hair out. I'm going, <laughs> how can you be looking at a card to go see where you're going to? But once again, this is something, that's the culture now. That's how these young players are brought up. To read the card, read the read the thing, and 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 uh, act accordingly. Right. By the way, you mentioned your grandfather, I, I, Ray Boone. I said earlier on the show, like one of the first things I think I knew about baseball was your father and grandfather, Buddy Bell, and his father. Like on cards, were the the 
active player and their father had both played in the majors. Not that you'll necessarily care, but I just want to throw in. Uh, your grandfather went four for 17 against my grandfather's brother. Oh, really? Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, you know, that time in history and, and you know, all we can do now is, is see the archives. And, see, yes. and I was fortunate enough to have a grandpa around for a long time. He got me. He got to see me play 12 or 13 years in the big leagues before he passed away. Oh, awesome. And I'll tell you, it gets old. You know, listen about the Ted Williams story and the Bob Feller throws harder than Randy Johnson stories. I think Gramps, he really doesn't. But I'll tell you, when, you know, he's he's been gone now for for a while, coming up on twenty years. And and when when you just mentioned that old time baseball, uh, it brings up a lot of good memories for us. So you know, it's well, one of those things where I wish I I wish I could listen to that Ted Williams story one more time now that Gramps not around to tell it. Yeah, I doubt you remember him telling you anything about Cliff Fannin. Uh, who died in 1966. My grandfather is still living, but his brother died before no, no, I, I was no. born. Gr- Gramps was a snob. He only, he only talked about the big, the big boys. <laughs> well, also, and also, Brett, it was four for 17. Come on. I mean, that's... That's right. You know, he walked a couple right. of times, but come on. All right. Well, is, this is our first conversation. Let, let's just hit the Yankees here, uh, Brett. I mean, it has been a kind of a difficult start. I think I would I would say how how do you sort of see them and whether or not uh, they'll they'll get going to the extent where they look like the Yankees. Well, the problem is their bullpen solid. Loisaga has been out; he's been hurt. And and since Aaron took it over the ball club, I tease him all the time. I said, how how many guys are going to be hurt this year? You know, it seems like year in and year out. Now Judge going on the IL, their big boy uh, Stanton is out for six weeks. I think he's at. I think he's been out for a couple weeks. He's still got a month to go. Uh, but Rodon, the big offseason pickup in the two-hole in that pitching rotation, uh, he's been missing. And now with, with the back issues, uh, we don't know when you're going to get him back. Severino has kind of been a thorn in their side. He's got great stuff, great potential. Seems like the last four years you can't get him healthy. Those are two big guys they were relying on this year. Garrett Cole's off to the best start he's had since being a Yankee. He's right up, he's right up there in that DeGrom conversation of the best in baseball. He's really got it going. Nestor Cortez had a rough outing last time, but I think he's pretty good. Herman is very serviceable for me in the three or the four hole. But you're talking that division. That's a tough division. I mean, you look up and down that with Tampa Bay leading the way they are right now. Uh, that's that's going to be a tough haul for them this year. They got to get healthy. That's the bottom line. Because if they don't, uh, they don't have enough firepower. You know, you got DJ LeMahieu healthy right now. Torres, uh, Rizzo. Those are the only real name guys that are healthy right now. With Judge and Stanton being out, I mean, that's a big hole in their lineup. But for me, they got to get healthy. You know, the thing that I've noticed uh, over the years, and with the playoff spots now available, that 162 schedule doesn't become as important as it used to be. Yep. It used to be 162, you got rewarded because there were very few playoff spots. These days, there's so many playoff spots, it's almost like you play for a spot and get hot, get hot and healthy at the right time. And it's a different ball game. So they've just kind of, I told Aaron, I said, you got to hold serve for the next month, get your guys healthy back on the field, stay above 500, make a run, and then hopefully you get that, you get that playoff spot and get hot at the right time. I think of Phillies, the Phillies of a year ago are a testament to that. I think they got hot at the right time or a couple games away from, from winning the World Series. So different ball game, I think just as exciting. I, I'm not saying it's easier or harder. Uh, to, to win a World Series, it's definitely hard, both formats, but it's definitely easier getting to that postseason tournament. 
You, you mentioned the Rays real, real quick. Like, h- how do they do it in your view? Like that that, that that team year over year, they just seem to have they just seem to have like guys I've never heard of that show up and just get the job it's unbelievable. done. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's an they're avatars. I mean, I think they really have brought Moneyball the early two thousands to a different level. I mean, they just on that limited budget, year in and year out, they don't have the star power that, that jumps out at you. The lineup of Rosarino's kind of become a name. Uh, the young the young kid, Wander Franco, is going to be a really good player for a long time. But other than that, they just kind of lunch pail it. You know, they go to they go to work every day and get the job done. They got a nasty bullpen. Uh, and they're coming back. McClanahan's a stud. It seems like whoever they put in that rotation just works out. And, and they're doing it all without their big guy, Glass, now. He's, I think he's making his first start this Saturday. Okay. He hasn't thrown a pitch this year, and they're still doing it with that. They're first in every every offensive category. Who would have thought? They're leading the, they're leading the uh, American League in home run, slugging percentage, average OPS, you name it. Uh, I think they're number one in ERA. So they've got it all going right now. It's just a matter of they, – they've proven, Kevin Cash, that culture – They've got something special going on there. The only thing is, can they get over the hump? Can they get to that World Series and win a World Series? Time's going to tell, but I think they're getting to a point in Tampa where they've really got to make a big splash at the trading deadline to get that extra piece to try to win a World Series. But uh, so far, I mean, they're 24-6. and six. Unbelievable start. And uh, it's, it's a tough division, up and down. Very well, Brett. Well, it's uh, it's great to know you, and I look forward to, and I know Bulldog does too, our conversations here. First Wednesday of the month, each month going forward uh, through the season. Thanks uh, for today, and best to Andre when you see him next. You got it. Thanks, guys. All right. Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original. Make sure to follow the Brett Boone Podcast on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.